BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Bustle Huddle. I'm Caitlin Aber, your host and senior features editor at Bustle. The post-MeToo award season is in full swing. And in the spirit of all this change, we're dedicating this episode to Bustle's award season pledge to acknowledge women not just on the red carpet, but also behind the scenes. On today's show, we have an exclusive interview with actress and now director and screenwriter Heather Graham. And we'll head to this year's Sundance Film Festival, where our producer Anna Parsons interviewed two women who are transitioning from their cushy tech jobs to pursue their true passion, screenwriting. So first, let's hear more about this pledge. I'm here with Bustle Senior Entertainment Editor, Kelsey Stoller. Hey, Caitlin. Hey, Kelsey. So good to see you because I know it's been a busy few months. Uh, yes. Yes, it has. 2018's award season is definitely different than previous years. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, well, I think there's a the giant elephant in the room, which is, of course, the, the fact that Me Too started months before. And now we're at this point where everyone's getting up on a stage and getting to speak their two cents. And it's it's a perfect time to sort of let the repercussions of Me Too influence what we do now. I think at Bustle, we always care about, you know, the imbalance of, of, of men sort of always dominating awards or especially white men always dominating awards. It's just taken it to a whole new level now. So what's Bustle doing differently this year? So we have an awards season pledge. It uh, it started right before the Globes and it will end with the Oscars. Obviously, the pledge itself will end, but the spirit will continue. And the idea is just to sort of reshape the idea that this industry belongs to men. These women have been working behind the scenes for years. They just aren't the face of the industry. And so what would happen if we stopped listening to the disheartening statistics and we just looked at the industry as if it belonged to both men and women? Um, And so then we created this pledge. That's amazing. Tell me, what does the pledge entail? So there's a few things. The simplest one is that every time we mention a TV show or movie, we will name the highest ranking behind the scenes woman who worked on that film. So if it's The Last Jedi, we talk about Kathleen Kennedy, who runs Lucasfilm. We might, you know, name like a costume designer or another EP or a writer. The goal being that like these films and TV shows that you love so much are also being created by women in some part. Another piece is that we made an effort to interview more women who work behind the scenes. Uh, I took some time to interview Issa Rae, who is the creator and writer of Insecure. We've talked to people like Whitney Cummings, who's a writer on the upcoming Roseanne. One of our editors also talked to Ruth E. Carter, who's the costume designer of Black Panther. And if you've seen that movie, oh the, my costumes God, the costumes are, are incredible. Intense. Yeah. That's awesome. And then you also sat down with Heather Graham. Yes. Of so many great movies, including Boogie Nights, which I loved. And she shared what she's working on. Yes. Tell us about that. So, yes, she's our cover star. We wanted to shine some light on the fact that this is her first ever time screenwriting and directing a 
feature length film. And it's something that she sort of had been passionate about for a while just because she'd been trying to get these movies that were important to her that were women's stories made and no one was listening to her. And she she and I kind of talked about how she started to sort of write that down and it became a script about women getting rid of toxic men and sort of finding their own power and telling their stories. Um, so we thought it was super fitting to talk to her about this on her first ever directorial journey. Yeah. So the film is called Half Magic. Mm-hmm. And it's really a story about women's stories, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And there's different kinds of women's stories. You know, there's a woman who is going through a divorce and and sort of dealing with her toxic ex. And there's a woman who's younger and sort of dealing with a toxic man-child. But um, Heather Graham's character is an aspiring screenwriter who works in Hollywood and dates this man who is an actor slash Hollywood head honcho. He's sort of an amalgamation of all the bad source of men in Hollywood and she's sort of rebelling against him um, but he is just this like horrible awful person who tells her she's like can't be a screenwriter because she's a big booby dummy and that her ideas about women's stories what a, what a dumb diss by the way <laughs> yeah, it was not even clever but yeah so he's you know he'll say things to her like nobody cares about women's stories or he'll you know say like the sluts always have to die in a movie like things like that if you think that that kind of stuff isn't happening to women in Hollywood this is a movie written by a woman who's been in those rooms and had these things said to her and she just put them all into one character so women's stories, especially in the past year with Me Too, have become louder and ever more present. And they're also being celebrated more as evidenced by something like Lady Bird or A Wrinkle in Time. It seems like we're having things are changing, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we didn't, we always want to be cautious about sort of saying like the work's done, like look what it's we can do. Done. Yeah. And yet we're in the midst of, you know, the top three movies of 2017 were about women. Beauty and the Beast, which stars Emma Watson as Belle. We've got The Last Jedi, which is about Daisy Ridley's Rey, this like kick-ass warrior. We've got Wonder Woman, directed by Penny Wonder Jenkins. Woman. Like, do I need to say more? <laughs> yeah. And then this year we've got Lady Bird, potentially dominating the Oscars, first-time director Greta Gerwig being Oscar-nominated, the story's about a 17-year-old woman, and men care about it. Um, And then we've got A Wrinkle in Time coming just around the corner, and it's directed by a woman. The book was written by a woman. It's starring all these powerful women. I think that's really exciting, um, but I also know we only have a little bit of the pie that we're due. Yeah. Uh, I want, like, the whole bakery this point. <laughs> <laughs> Same. Sign me up. <laughs> so two questions. What is Bustle going to do next to make things more equitable for women in film and TV and, and celebrate those voices? And then what are you looking forward to in film and television in 2018? Well, first, I think, you know, going back to the the pledge, it will end, but the spirit will not. My editors and our writers have learned a lot about these women who we've championed, but we didn't actually speak to directly. So I think that that spirit will continue to inform our coverage, who we're talking to, what kinds of movies and stories we really, you know, go hard on. Um, and then as far as what I'm excited about, obviously, A Wrinkle in Time, I mean, Ava, DuVernay, I just, I can't. Incredible. I'm yeah. obsessed. Um, but I'm also really excited. Um, Jessica Jones is coming back, which has been long anticipated. That show has been away for so long. Um, and she is one of the first 
Marvel heroes that women really get to attach to. She's coming back. The showrunner's a woman. She's just an incredible character, and I can't wait. Awesome. I love it. So, Kelsey, in addition to your feature on Heather Graham, you also swung by her bustle photo shoot and got to talk to her about her own personal experience with sexism in film. And we're going to listen to that interview now. Well, obviously, we are here to talk to you a little bit about a film that you made mm-hmm. on your own mm-hmm. um, called Half Magic. And I am told that it was inspired by some experiences that you had in Hollywood. And I wanted to know what exactly that means to you to have had that experience inspire this film. I think that there's three different major experiences that inspired me. One was experiences in Hollywood, being a woman, wanting to make movies about women and how difficult it was and just sexism and sexual harassment and just the lack of opportunities for women and the lack of projects being made for us to watch with predominantly women creators and actresses. Also being sexually harassed. I mean, it's in the news right now, but it's been going on forever. So I, I, my story is a comedy, but I have a boss in the movie that's sexually harassing me. You, you've been very open about uh, a certain particular incident that has happened to you. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like there's this overwhelming sense that, you know, it is so pervasive to the industry? Do you feel like that's the correct assessment? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not the only time that's happened. I don't want to make it sound like every man in Hollywood is like that. There's amazingly wonderful people, but Mm -hmm. there's definitely this element. And I think it's great that now women feel that we can speak up about it because hopefully things will change. Yeah. One thing that's um, interesting about this conversation, it's obviously ongoing every day. It seems like it will never end that these claims will come out over and over again. Because I think it's the first time we've ever been taken seriously. You know, I think women have talked about it in the past. You think about Anita Hill and people just go, oh, yeah, she's crazy. In an ideal world, how do you think men should be responding to this in in order to be allies. I think a lot of men saw this kind of behavior happening and they didn't like it, but they just went along with it. And I think we now need to just get real and say... Let's stop this from happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, now you've been able to take the driver's seat in a really big way. You're writing, you're directing, you're creating your own world. How has that experience sort of changed your perspective on, on the industry and, and how we might be able to change? You know, I tried to make a movies about women for about 10 years. I was developing movies to produce that I would act in and I was having such a hard time. And I just felt so frustrated that I thought, I'm just going to write my own movie. And I was also frustrated with dating and my friend's stories about dating and just my own background about growing up religious and being taught certain things about sexuality that I thought were not healthy. And um, so I wrote the movie as a way to find the humor in these difficult things that I had struggled with. What do you like most about being being the one who, who's calling all these shots? I feel like I have something to say that I feel like, I feel no one else is saying, and I want to inspire women to feel good about themselves. And I want to inspire men to just see all the great things about women. And it's just, it's a sexy movie too. Tell me a little bit about this sexy side of the, of the humor. It's an interesting time to be talking about that too, because like, we definitely, women should feel comfortable being sexual and being sexy. I think there's a little bit of a difference, whether it's coming from a male gaze perspective, or obviously if you're the director. Exactly. So yeah, I feel like sexuality from a woman's point of view is totally different from a man's point of view. I think men grow up watching a lot of pornos and they have certain fantasy ideas of what sex is like. That's not necessarily what a woman wants or what feels good to a woman. So I wanted to present 
a point of view of what sexuality is like from my point of view or from a female point of view. Mm -hmm. Leaning a little bit more into the comedy side, we actually did a little bit of a study at Bustle and we discovered that for most of these blockbuster comedies over the last five, 10 years, women don't often get the last laugh, like Mm -hmm. the final joke that's Mm -hmm. like just gets you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm betting that that's a different case when you're the one writing it and you've got this cast. Yeah. I mean, it's really fun to have the women be the heroes of the story and have really funny women in the movie. Um, it's great. There's Angela Kinsey and Stephanie Beatriz and Molly Shannon. And I wanted to celebrate women and how funny we are and how strong and brave and vulnerable we are. And also, I just think comedy is about being honest. And I just think it's funny to be honest about sex from a female point of view. Yeah. How honest are we talking in this movie? (laughs) I mean, I think it's pretty honest. That's very (laughs) mysterious, but I want everyone to know that I am taking this very, very seriously. (laughs) My experience as a woman in this culture is that, you know, we're bombarded with all these images like Um, oh, look at these ads or look at these things and you're not good enough unless you do this or that or look at these magazines and these other people. You know, it's like, it's like, how do you take your power back and go, I am amazing just as I am. I don't need to be anything different, just total self-acceptance and just loving ourselves, loving our sexuality, feeling empowered and also just how do we choose the right guy and not choose to be around those creepy sexual predator guys and choose like a smart, loving, wonderful guy. That's a wonderfully positive note to leave on. <laughs> Thank you so much Thank for talking you. to me today. To learn more about how Heather finally made her film Half Magic, head to Bustle and read Kelsey's article. Next up, we're joined by our producer, Anna Parsons, who headed to Sundance for the first time this year. And I'm so jealous. How was it? It was very cold. Don't be jealous of that. But yes. You packed a lot of cute sweaters. I did. Um, I layered. What was it like there? Oh, my gosh. So much creative energy. It was wonderful. It's like it's all the things that people say it is in terms of being cold and crowded. But like the atmosphere just can't be rivaled in terms of people just enjoying each other's creations and work. It's great. This is obviously a really interesting year with the Me Too movement and then Time's Up. What was it like being at Sundance while all of this was going down? Oh, I was so excited to be at the first Sundance post Me Too. But disappointingly, the Me Too conversation wasn't very present at the festival. A lot of people would feel awkward about answering questions from journalists when that would arise. However, and in large part because I was there on behalf of Women in Film, I did get to engage in some really interesting discussions and panels about representation um, of women in film, especially behind the scenes, about actually getting women into as gatekeepers to make these decisions so that more like female-focused films could be created in just really practical terms. That itself was wonderful. Yeah, that's really fascinating. And you attended some really great panels. Yeah. So my favorite panel was hosted by Stella Artois and Women in Film. It was called The Road to 50-50. Had some amazing women on it. And in particular, Mel Jones and Stephanie Elaine of Homegrown Pictures, the studio that created Dear White People, Hustle and Flow, had some great things to say about taking a chance on people, um, particularly women in this instance, who may not have the resumes, but, you know, have the talent. Yeah, I mean, that's the most important thing. Why don't we listen to that audio now? I've been doing this a while. I used to say, I want to hire the best people for the job. But then I realized by saying that, I was looking at metrics that were like, who has the best resume? Who's, who's won the most awards? Who's done the most work? 
and typically those were all men, and most of them were white men. So I stopped saying that, and I started to say I want to, I want my sets to be diverse, with with all kinds of people, and I want to find the best of all kinds of people on the set. And we made a movie last year that was at Sundance called Burning Sands. Mel and I produced. Every single department head was first time. We had a first time director, a first time DP, a first time. Um, production designer, first time, when everybody was first yeah, everybody time, was it was crazy. Time. And guess what? Every single one of those folks are now working other movies. They got Woo! agents, yeah. they got to work in a studio. They don't even answer my phone calls. Right? <laughs> I mean, everybody has a first time. So as you heard in that clip, taking a chance on first timers can have some really big benefits for everyone in the end. And so that got me thinking that while my list of people to interview was initially all of these like big names, these A-listers that anybody would recognize, that I needed to find people who didn't have as large of a platform. So who did you find when you got there? So I met these two women named Debbie Lai and Tamara Sanderson, and they are from San Francisco. They've worked in tech for over 10 years, and they have decided to become screenwriters. They were at Sundance for the very first time. That's really inspiring, though. They were just like, hey, we're, we're going to take a chance and do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and they're... Screenplay is actually kind of controversial. It's it's very sexual, their screenplay, and it's very um, kind of a risky thing for even an experienced um, screenwriter to be pitching. So they have a lot of guts in a lot of ways. If they're complete newbies at Sundance, what did they do to get the word out about their film? You've been to Sundance, so you know that it revolves around a lot of parties. And a lot of it depends on if you have tickets and connections to the right things. They did not. So mm -hmm. they were only staying in this house. And through the people that they were meeting in the house, they slowly began to like you know, creep out into yeah. the outside world of Make some connections. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Networking. Lesson for all of us. 101. And I was so intrigued when I met them because obviously, like, te the tech industry is another industry that's notoriously male-dominated. I was like, how can they take that experience and now apply it to the entertainment industry, especially as they're coming in a little bit blind? Awesome. Let's listen. I always worked in male-oriented industries, and so... Before Google, I worked in management consulting, which is like quite um, gender balanced as analysts. But as you get further up, basically all the partners were male. Then I moved to private equity for a year, which I really disliked. And that was like even more male. And then I moved to tax and I've been working since 2006 full time. I've had probably about 30 bosses and they've all been male. I think Tam also alluded to this. It's really when you begin to move up into more senior positions, um, when the stakes are higher that I think you begin to notice some of the more subtle and more insidious biases that do affect women. So now you're moving into entertainment or you hope to move into entertainment. Things are changing, but like obviously this is another industry with like a very large gender divide. Did that scare you or did you feel like you came in prepared because you had already dealt with that? I think your question was, was it intimidating? And I think it is, but I think that the more intimidating it is, the more important it is for us to be there. And it was interesting because we had actually taken uh, Gordy Hoffman's rewrite class for one of our scripts. And he pointed out something that I didn't even realize, but we were writing mostly male characters. We were writing female characters who lacked agency, who were kind of objectified, who were just in supporting roles. Kind of, We were, uh, I guess, manifesting unconscious biases ourselves. And so I think one of the things that's really important to us when we're writing the screenplay is 
not to fall into that. The specific episode that we were working on was set in like the 1960s, 1970s. And I remember even kind of arguing back and being like, oh, well, women didn't have like as many opportunities then. And he's like, how much research have you actually done into that? And I just had a nod and I was like, you know, that's actually correct. And then we went back and we did a lot more research and we totally changed our character. Um, and it's been a really fun process. And now we actually uh, try to apply that when we're writing any of our characters. Do they have agency? Are they independent? Um, is it telling us something about their kind of emotional arc? Um, and are we bringing in new types of characters, not just kind of the ones that have been traditionally in a lot of TV shows that we've seen? So when you very first started it, was it in the classroom? Was it outside of the classroom? The initial idea, so as I mentioned when Debbie and I first met we both realized we love asking people questions and then we're both very curious and so we started trying to do a podcast on uh it was titled The Secret Lives of Techies, uh, but we were interviewing people on their like love, sex, and dating lives. We got a lot of interesting stories and there are a lot of interesting characters but what we also noticed is that I think there's something very broken about relationships and about sexual relationships and that made us think, when was the last time we really reevaluated the way that we think about love, sex, and dating? It's kind of a huge area that hasn't seen any, sig any significant change for a really long time. You know, right now the divorce rate is what, like close to 50%. You would never accept that kind of failure rate for a product. If an iPhone, if half of all iPhones broke, Apple would do a major recall. We start thinking people need to maybe change their paradigms. Maybe they need to consider different options. You know, if this relationship isn't working this way, then why are you still in it? Um, and that was kind of, that was the genesis of our series. We wrote that screen, that specific screenplay three different times. And then we had um, a friend that uh, read it for us and gave us a lot of feedback. So uh, we now have kind of a, a draft that we're showing people. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.com. Dot edu slash podcast. So what's it like trying to break in as a screenwriter? Like, where do you begin? So we also knew absolutely nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> we had both been to Sundance before just to see films. Yeah. We and just came to party and watch movies. Yeah. And this time it's different. Yeah. We actually have... I guess, an agenda. We are in a house. So Debbie and I are sharing a bunk bed. There's about 20 people in this house. There's another 20 to 30 people in the other house. Um, and it's run by this woman that's kind of run these kind of Sundance events for the last like 10 years. Jenny She's Lee. super connected. Mm -hmm. um, and she knows writers and journalists and actors and actresses and screenwriters and producers. And they've just been coming in and out of this house all day. And so we have just been hanging out in the living room and chatting to anybody that comes through about, you know, what their projects are and then a bit about what our project is and just trying to get as much information from them as possible in the industry. So we've just kind of jumped in. Um, yeah, I guess head first, just trying to see what it's all about. A lot of it seems very kind of... Um like left up to chance or arbitrary, right? I think in tech, I made a spreadsheet of 
all the best companies based on various criteria like salary, work-life balance, benefits, etc. And then kind of systematically went through every single one to find like the optimal option, right? And I don't think that's quite the way that it seems to work here. As Cham said, you kind of like hang out and you know, you bump into people, you overhear things, and maybe something catches and maybe something doesn't. Making the switch has been really interesting. It's just been like starting from scratch. Do you feel imposter syndrome? And if you do, how do you deal with that? So I definitely feel imposter syndrome. It would be weird if I didn't actually. Uh, How do we deal with it? I think it's just, I mean, have some coffee, maybe a glass of beer, (laughs) some wine. Uh, That helps a bit. And I think it's um, usually it's I generally start by asking them about what they do. And then that becomes more comfortable to then kind of pitch what we're interested in. Um, Yeah, I think that's kind of a bit like my strategy. Debbie's more bold than I am. I'm more arrogant than Tamara is, basically. (laughs) I think Hollywood needs fresh blood. I think we offer a fresh perspective. I think that there have been a lot of attempts in, you know, especially recent years to kind of uh, find the intersection of, uh, you know, tech and film. And I think we're not quite there yet. And um, I guess I'm pretty optimistic about like what Tam and I have to bring. So we have a lot to learn about film, but I think that our tech backgrounds, it's fresh. What was your most discouraging moment here? So I remember the first couple nights, uh, you know, we'd be sitting in the house and everyone was leaving to go to all their fancy parties. Be like, where are you going? It was so funny. It was like, the two like, where are you going? <laughs> and they're like, oh, we're going to this like fancy like party with the Gyllenhaals or we're going to this like, you know, yeah, like everyone was going and we were just kind of sitting <laughs> There's like a lot of name dropping of like celebrities like I'm going with this celebrity and this cool band is playing. I have so many parties. I can't just go to one because I've been invited to so many. We weren't invited to any parties. We could barely get tickets. (laughs) We got invited to the YouTube party because we used to work work there. It was the only one we could get into. (laughs) We were just like eating dumplings at the table and if anybody came in we'd be like hey how was your party? (laughs) How was with the party? That felt a bit like you know like middle school maybe we were on the, like, like dork table yeah, yeah like yeah. that's in the far corner so what are Tamara and Debbie up to now so they travel a lot because they both work remotely mm-hmm. right now they're both in Colombia oh wow nice and warm yeah let's Skype them Hi. hey Anna hey How's it going? Great. It's been like three weeks since I saw you at Sundance. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. How's it going? Has there been any movement since then? I think there's just so much work that we have to do after Sundance. We kind of went there and it just completely opened our eyes to how the industry worked, what we need to do. Um, And so just as an example, we were introduced to something called a treatment. That's something we need to have. We realized that just like in tech, you need to have a pitch deck for your show or your movie. So we need to do that. Um, We got a lot of feedback on our script, which we're completely rewriting um, with a female protagonist instead of the male one. Oh, wow. That's quite the endeavor. But it also just shows like how important it is to have women writing women's stories. And you met somebody um, who works for a very familiar female producer, correct? I'm a big fan of Diablo Cody. You know, I love Juno, just like everybody else. I woke up one morning and I was just flipping through the app, which someone there had downloaded for me um, and informed me was very important to have. Happened to see that 
Diablo Cody was going to be speaking at a pretty small event at the Filmmakers Lodge. Tamara woke up a little bit later and I was like, Tam, I know we have a movie, but I think we should go to this thing with Diablo Cody. We were crowded all the way in the back. And then just this random guy was like, hey, you guys look like you have a lot of stuff. You know, do you guys want to come and sit in the front? So then we were in the front row. Afterward, this man comes up to us and says, hey, here's my email. You guys should send me your stuff when it's ready. I'm Diablo Cody's manager. And that was a pretty magical moment. Have you corresponded since? No, because we realized how much we had to do. We're like, oh yeah, we have our screenplay. You know, we'll just send that to him. And then, you know, shortly afterward, we realized A, we need to rewrite our screenplay. And B, we should also send him a pitch deck, a treatment, a mood reel, um, maybe a trailer. So we've basically been working furiously since then so that we don't totally botch this opportunity that we have. That's, that's great. I'm so happy to hear that. Debbie and I generally think of things as being a marathon, not a sprint, and we have lots of ideas. So we think that hopefully something will hit this year, we'll get some type of break. If not, we'll continue the next year and the next year, because I think that's what we kind of want to do with our lives. I can't wait to hear more updates. <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been really fun. We've loved this. That's it for today. If you watch the Oscars on Sunday, be sure to celebrate all the women creating movie magic behind the scenes. We'll be doing the same. Next week, we turn our attention to a different genre, reality television, with an episode dedicated to the weird world of rose ceremonies. Because I know love is here. With that, let's begin. That's right. We're talking all about The Bachelor. This show was produced by Julia Shu and Anna Parsons. Be sure to subscribe to The Bustle Huddle on iTunes and rate and review us. Five stars only, please. We also want to hear what you think about the show. You can reach us at huddle at bustle.com. I'm Caitlin Aber, and I will see you next week. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers. Hunt for muddy puddles and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence.